fine, they'll figure it out. <laughs> and you just gave someone an excuse who didn't want to give. They're like, hey, she didn't tell me how. I don't know what, what not my fault. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm Jeff Kerr. My wife, Christy, and I are the pastors here. Brooke, you did a good job. Lots of announcements coming up. It's the fall season. It's fall, y'all. It's sweatshirt weather and pumpkin spice everywhere. Of all the, I'm not a huge pumpkin spice guy. I think we've gone overboard with the pumpkin spice. I think we could dial that back a bit. But sweatshirt weather is awesome. And today is also the official um, Vikings Optimism Sunday. So happy Vikings Optimism Sunday, everyone. Enjoy it while it lasts. Um, it's going to be a great morning until 3 o'clock. So. Um, we started a series last week on the book of Colossians, and we're going to get there in a second, but I have one other announcement, just because I didn't want to overwhelm Brooke. There's one other thing, that a big change coming up at the church. Um, I'm letting the suspense build a little bit. We are going to change our service times, and we're going to start a Saturday night service in October, October 1st. So now... There's your service time, Saturday at 5 p.m. This should be more of like, ooh, ooh. Sunday at 9.30 and 11. So here's the deal. We have three Sunday morning services now. We're going to have three weekend services there. What we're finding is as the fall kicks in and people decide to start coming back to church, um, before summer, things were starting to get a little full here, especially our middle service and then also in kids' church down there. So we want to continue to make room for people as you continue to invite friends and we make an impact in our community. We believe that God is going to keep bringing people into our church, so we want to make some more room. So you're thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense because we've gone from three services to three services. Um, but the Saturday night, what we're going to do there is I think that's going to be another opportunity to reach people. Maybe a schedule conflict prevents them from coming to church. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about the heart behind the Saturday night service in a little bit. However, we are most likely going to quickly add a fourth service. We're just not sure if we're going to add another Saturday or go back to three on Sunday. Okay, so we're starting with this, and then we're going to see. We're going to see where the people show up, and we're going to see where we need to add another one. So that's October 1st. Do not show up here this Saturday night. There's nobody here this Saturday night watching online, October 1st. And something else that we're going to do in October is a sermon series we did several years ago called The Skeptic and the Believer, and I'm really excited about this. I think it's more and more uh, important in our world to just talk about the things that are on the minds of all the people in the world and some of the obstacles that people have to faith, some of the reasons people are skeptical about faith. What is the Bible? Should we trust the Bible? Isn't it just old-fashioned morality? All these things, like, can we trust what the Bible says about creation? If we had conversations with maybe a skeptical coworker or friend, we're going to try to address the questions they ask, and we're going to talk about all all the elephants in the room, um, in the room here on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. So this would be a great opportunity, October 1st, starting that weekend for you, if you have some friends, just to leverage that connection you have with them and say, hey, our church is going to be talking about all these things, and we'll do it in a, in a way that says, hey, you're welcome here. We all have questions. We're going to just dive in, talk through some of those things. Good? All right, Colossians chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. If you're watching online, thanks for joining us online today. Um, Pastor Christy kicked off this series called Good News, going through the book of Colossians. We're going to do it for another couple of weeks after this. 
Um, This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of believers in Colossae. This is a a smaller city. This is um, a group of maybe some new Christians. And Paul is writing them a letter because he has heard a report that these Christians, these new churches that have started, these new believers, they're growing in their faith and they're learning about Jesus and they've been taught Um, that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. But what's happened is now some other religious rulers and other teachers are coming into the area and trying to convince these new believers about something different other than the true gospel in Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. So they come in and they say, well, sure, this new Jesus way is great, but you still have to adhere to the Old Testament traditions of the Jewish faith. You still have to do all the dietary feasts and obey all the rules and all these things in addition to salvation through faith. Specifically, they talk about circumcision. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Yay, circumcision. Um, They're saying, and imagine putting that on your church billboard, right? Salvation through faith alone. Come to Homestead Church, but you got to get circumcised before you come in. The the new believers would be like, um, this is a a different, well, first of all, they're like, I don't want to do that. But second, they're like, this is not what we were taught. We were taught that it's not about adhering to the Old Testament rules. It's salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And then they had all these from from the area around them, all these other modern philosophers who were saying, well, this Jesus movement is fine, but you also have to think about all these modern humanistic ways of thinking. This is the... Um, the occasion and the main theme of Paul when he's writing this book in Colossians. So when you read through the book of Colossians in the New Testament, you got to think of it as a letter from the Apostle Paul to some new believers, and he's trying to tell them, stay central to what we taught you. It's salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're going to read verse 6 through 15 in Colossians chapter 2. Now, I mentioned uh, circumcision, and Paul talks a lot about it. And so when you're reading the New Testament and you read that, you're probably like, why, why are we talking about this? If you're new to the Bible, you're like, why is he mentioning this? Well, when you read that word, it's basically synonymous of Old Testament rules, Old Testament traditions. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant in the Old Testament between the children of Abraham, the Israelites, and God. And so this is what an outward sign of their faith in God was. And so when Paul is talking about that, he talks about that in the Old Testament. And so when you read circumcision, think about old rules, old traditions. But then he starts talking about this, like that, uh, and we'll read it in just a minute, like in your, like a, a, almost like a circumcision in your heart, almost like a, it's not about, Paul is saying it's not about outward rules and traditions. It's Jesus doing a work in your heart. So as we read these verses today, and you're reading that, and you're like, why does he keep talking about that? That's what we're talking about. I just wanted to give you a little understanding there. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6 through 15. It says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted in And built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So you can see that theme of just as you were taught salvation in Jesus Christ, grow in that faith. And then he goes on in verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, 
And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So again, talking about this is not about a tradition rules-based faith. It's about Jesus doing a work in your heart. That's what he's talking about there. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven, and this is the best news of the day, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Amen. That is a great verse. I love those verses that any, and really the the takeaway today is this, anything that comes against you that says you're not good enough to follow Jesus, you're doing things wrong, you have to do this, 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 all the shame of maybe sins that you've committed in your past, all the ways the enemy tries to come in with lies and say you are disqualified from God caring about you, this verse ends that, that our debt, the record of our debt that stood against us with its demands, he set it aside by nailing it to the cross. And any rule or authority or any condemnation or shame that tries to come against you, Jesus has disarmed. That is awesome. Jesus has disarmed the rulers and authority and put them to shame because he triumphed over them. That's amazing. Now, the, the, what he's trying to counteract, as I've already mentioned, is either them getting swayed by old traditions or new human modern philosophies. We certainly, as followers of Jesus, can apply that to our life today, right? We have been a part, I mean, you walk around in our world and you'll come in contact with either some Christians who are saying, well, yeah, but you gotta keep following these rules and Christians do this and Christians don't do that and Christians do, and it's all a rules-based, tradition-based faith. Or in our world today, we come across modern human thinking of, well, this is what morality is. And this is what we're so evolved as people now that the Bible doesn't even really apply anywhere because we have this whole new rule of what is moral and right. The problem with both of those is that it's individual, depending on who you talk to. Everyone's got their own rules that we need to follow or everyone's got their own truth that guides their life. And it's all a moving target, individual based. It was it was a affecting the people of God in Colossians, it affects us today. So this is certainly applicable to what we walk through as children of God today in our world, right? We, we face this. And so I love that Paul addresses it right on. Don't be swayed by any of these things. Stay in that verse, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. I highlighted those Four phrases, rooted, built up, established, abounding. It's like, think of it as that, like the progression of a life of faith, almost like a timeline. You're rooted, you're built up, you're established, and then you're abounding. It's more like a, a foundation. You build the found, build in a pyramid. You're rooted, and then you're built up, and then you're established, and then you're abounding. It is, and I love rooted. It's, it's um, you know, it talks about, 
a tree with deep roots. Talks about a tree with deep roots. When we talk about a tree with roots, a tree will spend years before we see really any fruit or life on the outside putting its roots deep into the soil. We have a dead tree in our front yard right now. Um, the heat got it last summer, and I've procrastinated, or maybe I've had optimism like a Vikings fan, thinking this thing's going to come back. This tree's going to come back. It's done. It was a new tree. The heat last year got it. And uh, I've had this happen before, a tree in our backyard that didn't grow. Maybe I should stop trying to plant trees because they don't seem to work. But when I dug it up, the roots never went into the soil. It's Farmington. There's a lot of clay in our neighborhood. Um, and the roots were not able to go deep into the soil. And they just kept growing around and around in a circle. And when I pulled the tree out, there it was, just this root ball. It wasn't able to, A, be secure and withstand any wind. And it wasn't able to get any nutrients. If the water, if it rained, well, I'll use our lawn next door, like on our open lot there. If you walk out there today, and maybe every time you see parts of green grass and parts of brown grass, you'll be reminded of this. Why is it that some of the grass out there is green and some of it's brown? Because the roots are going deeper. When it rains every day, the, gr the grass looks great. But if you go a week without rain, all of a sudden you see what is there that has the roots going a little bit deeper where it can get nourishment versus the grass that's just really shallow roots. It withers up quickly. This is a great, this idea of roots and a tree is such a great visual illustration because we can understand that. If a storm, if the winds blow through and a storm uproots a tree and you see it laying over, you'll look and you'll notice that the roots were probably pretty wide, maybe not very deep, and it wasn't able to anchor it when the winds blew. Or if you're like my backyard, you pull up a tree that died because it wasn't getting enough nourishment, you'll notice the roots did not go down into the soil where it could get nourishment even in a drought. And this is so indicative of our faith, right? I love that Paul is talking about this. Be rooted in him. Be built up in him. Be established and abounding. The mission of our church is that we would be a community of people that help each other grow in faith. A community of people that help each other grow in faith. We picked those words very strategically. A community of people. We want to do this together. We want to be about our community. We want to be a community that welcomes everybody, that you always feel welcome here at this church, that you are a part of our homestead family. That's what the community means. But it also means that we help each other grow in faith. We want everyone to grow in faith, to put down roots. Now, we also put help each other because this is not just up to the pastors to do. This is not just a Sunday morning for an hour on Sunday you come and we try to dig deep roots for you. This is all of us together. We help each other grow in our faith. That's why we have groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we want you to connect with people in the church so that you can help each other. It is so limited if it's just up to the pastors of this church to try to make sure everyone's spiritually doing good. We'll get worn out because some of y'all are a mess. No, I'm just... <laughs> This is way better when we all decide to help each other. You'll get help from those who you are close to, and you can grow in your faith by helping other people. The word of God will become alive to you when you're teaching somebody else about what the scriptures mean rather than just waiting for someone to tell you what it means. That's putting down roots. That is growing in your faith. 
the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 1, it talks about the same idea of that our faith is like a, a tree planted in a, in a well-nourished area with deep roots. Psalm 1, 1 through 4 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. You see that imagery there again of when you think about maybe grass that just gets blown away by the wind, it's not rooted, it's not nourished, it's not anchored. But those who delight in the law of the Lord, those who meditate on the scripture every day will plant deep roots, right? They'll plant deep roots, secure, not swayed by society, nourished, not hindered by drought, rooted, established, built up, abounding. So how do we do this? As we start our fall season here at the church, as we are planning new service times and areas of church that are going to try, we're going to try to minister to kids and families and students and have groups for you to connect and to grow in your faith. How do we do this? All of us need to figure out ways, consider ways how we can grow our roots of faith, how we can grow in our faith. Is it just reading the Bible and praying every day? I mean, that's a great start, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But it's not something that's just going to, if you prioritize 15 minutes of Bible reading, that's not going to just suddenly magically transform your life. It's going to make a huge difference. But when we talk about digging roots, what I want to kind of refer to it as is it's, it's making the switch between prioritizing faith in your life versus just fitting faith into your life. Okay, there's a huge difference there. And I'm not pointing anybody out. We all go through seasons where it's like our life is kind of segmented. Like, well, I have my work life and my family and kids sports, which is a huge piece of the pie that takes up all the time. And then there's a little bit left for faith. And I just have my, my faith pie and my kids pie and my pumpkin spice pie and all of these things, right? It's, it's a difference between prioritizing faith in all areas of your life versus just fitting faith in. Prioritizing your faith is where you grow roots, where you build that foundation, where you say every area of my life, church, family, finances, marriage, career, hanging out with friends, all of that is great, but it's all uh, based on the foundation of my faith. So my faith is established where I no longer just see my career as I go to work and I make money. Instead, through the lens of my faith, I see, God, how do you want me to be glorifying to you in my career? How can I be a light in my workplace? It's not just seeing yourself going to school. It's how can I do my best in school to honor you and be a light where I am? You see how faith can now affect how you view everything everything. It's not just, I have my marriage. It's my marriage is God. How can I now take this opportunity to love my spouse as you have loved me? This is how faith impacts every part of your life. And you'll view everything differently. And you'll begin to sense the wisdom of the Holy Spirit guiding you. And you'll sense a peace that you have when you start to impact your whole life by putting your roots of faith, by prioritizing your faith, you'll see everything differently. 
Your money is not just about how can I save up and, and, and invest wisely and make sure I have enough for retirement. All good things. It's how can I be a blessing? This is the shift that happens when we prioritize our faith. Does that make sense? It's not just fitting in your faith. I refer to it jokingly as sprinkling a little bit of Jesus over everything. It's different than that. It's establishing faith as central to your life and everything else is built upon that. That is how we build roots. All of these things are not going to happen without deep roots. Now, I, re I re uh, referenced reading your Bible and praying. That's a, that is a vital first step. That's a vital step. This deep-rooted life of faith that we want to live and we grow in our faith, it is not going to happen without consistent Bible reading and prayer, Bible study and prayer. When, when uh, the, the psalmist wrote that in Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the one who doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers and follow after the wisdom of sinners, but meditates on the law of God day and night, knows the scripture and applies it to their life. You will not develop the life of faith without a consistent time of prayer and Bible reading throughout the week. This cannot be the only time where you have prayer and Bible in your world if you want to have that deep-rooted life of faith. Amen? Now, I know I sound like a broken record here. If you've been around Homestead, I've preached this sermon. You probably like way too many times you've preached this sermon. I sound like a broken record. Go and get a Bible that you can understand, and we will help you find a Bible. Get a Bible reading plan. It is not hard to find a Bible reading plan. There's an app, the Bible app, that will send you Bible reading plans to your phone. You're already staring at your phone anyways. It would give you a Bible reading plan, and it could be something that starts with 15 minutes a day, five minutes a day. Get in the habit of having some Bible reading and prayer. This is vital. Now, because what happens is, and here's a little bit of inside information behind the curtain of Homestead Church, and not just our church, all churches. We'll have conversations, and we, we are here to minister to you and to your family. So if there's anything I say in the next 15 minutes that sounds different than that, no. We're glad you're here. We love ministering to your family, okay? But what happens is we have people who come and talk to one of the pastors and be like, I'm just really struggling, or conversations in our church with one of the leaders, just, I'm really struggling. Things are falling apart. Things are going well. And inevitably, the question will be asked, well, are you reading your Bible and having a time of prayer? Well, no. No, I'm not doing that. Okay, we can't do that for you. It would be like me going to my financial advisor saying, man, things are not going well. I just can't get ahead. And the financial advisor says to me, are you spending less than what you're earning? And I say, well, no, I didn't want to do that. That's hard. That's difficult. And they would say, well, that's a good place to start, right? If I go to my physical trainer and say, yeah, I just cannot get anywhere with my health. With, I'm just feeling physically, I'm just feeling like things aren't working. Well, are you eating healthy and exercising daily? Well, no, I, I'm not doing that, right? The, the, the point is, at some point we would say, yeah, exactly. That's what you have to do. There has to be some discipline there. There is such a strong, I mentioned phones already, there is such a strong pull in our society to just be inactive, with anything. We all would love to go to the gym and get in shape, but then we got to go and we got to lift weights and we got to do the things. We're like, man, this is easier when I'm just sitting at home um, favoriting TikTok videos about working out so that someday I'll do it, right? 
It's way, the, the pull to inactivity in our life to just, I am, this is me right now. I'm preaching to me right now. I am amazed and somewhat depressed at how easily I can waste away an entire evening by having a sporting event on the television and staring at my phone at the same time. I'll be like, I'll just look at this for 15 minutes, right? And I saw a few people elbow, I thought I saw a few elbows there and some knowing glances, right? There is a discipline involved. If you want to have a life of faith, you've got to invest and get disciplined in Bible reading and prayer. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I don't know how to pray. Or when I read the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. I understand that. You're not alone in that. We've got men's groups that meet throughout the week. I'm just talking to the men here. Where the design of this group is for you to come together, get to know some guys, and start reading the Bible and learn how to read it and apply it. And then start learning how to pray. This is, a, this is something that we want to provide as a church. An opportunity for you to do that, but we can't do that for you. I can't go to the gym and say, well, if the gym would just you know, do this exercise for me, or if they'd come to my house and prevent me from eating that third donut of the day, you know, those things. If my financial advisor would just be there to stop me from spending money, if my pastor would just be there throughout the week to help me uh, to read the Bible for me, it all sounds very convenient and easy. We can't do that. The roots of your faith are going to come when you have a discipline of daily Bible reading and prayer. And I fall short of that too. And there's times where by the end of the week, I'm like, man, I just feel lousy. And then I'll think, oh, the foundation of my faith had been neglected this week, right? And I need to get back to that. There is a foundation that we have to have. I know I sound like a broken record, but you've got to do it. You've got to do it for the sake of your marriage, for your family. Let's talk about families that prioritize faith, okay? Some families, and I'm not pointing any families out, some families in our community, and this isn't you because you're all here today, some families, they just don't prioritize faith. Their kids are growing up in an environment that does not mention faith at all. Some families will prioritize faith when it is convenient. If nothing else is on the calendar, well, today, let's go to church. It's been 18 weeks. We can go to church for an hour. Let's do it, kids. Yay. Okay, that's fine. We like having you here at church. Some families focus on faith to the point where they're like, they prioritize. I get, here, I get my kids here on Sunday mornings. I get my kids here on Wednesday night because I need that consistent input of faith and God and scripture into their life. Great. Now, some families prioritize prayer and scripture Monday through Saturday. And that Sunday morning is not the only time that their kids and their family are exposed to prayer and the word of God. And it is an anchor to their family throughout the week. This is when parents are owning their faith and saying, we're going to make the things of God something that we talk about is foundational to our family. And then we build everything on top of that. Now, that family is going to be deeply rooted. That family is not easily toppled when the winds come by, right? This is, this is the challenge for all of us, to have it be something more than just Sunday morning, right? Rooted, built up, established, and abounding. That's what we're going for here. Colonel Merrick's preached a great message on this at our last, or one of our men's breakfasts, where the order of those words is important, and it's how it works, right? Rooted is first, built up, established 
and then we're abounding. Think of fruitful when you read abounding. This is what God has called for each of us as his followers, and it will not happen if we're not deeply rooted in the things of God and the word of God. Amen? So I got a few minutes left. We're going to talk about our church. As we are starting all these groups and all these classes, here's what, on Friday, we met as a staff, and we planned out the calendar um, we planned out all the events, and we're like, well, what about this, and what about this event, and what about this ministry? And the idea is not just to fill up your calendar with times that you got to come to church. You get to come to church, right? And the idea is to not fill up all of the calendars of all the staff members so that we can burn ourselves out and be busy saying, it's all for your glory, God. We're here every day, right? This is not the point. The point is to provide opportunities for you to dig roots, for you to serve with one another, opportunities for you to serve in the church, for you to get in a small group, to get to know people, to learn how to read the Bible and pray with one another, to find ways that we can serve our community so that some of us, we need to make that shift from faith is about me getting to now I am contributing to the, to the community that I'm in. I'm contributing to this church, right? We want to have as many opportunities, and as a staff in this church, we've got great staff with kids, with groups, with discipleship, with youth. They are working super hard to provide opportunities for your families to connect with God. But when we are planning all these things, I'm going to, I didn't say this, to the staff, so right now my wife's getting nervous. There were all of these things I was super excited about, but there was a part of it that was just a little bit of a downer because a, a theme of this dis discussion is always, well, we need a group. We have morning groups, but some people don't like to come in the morning, so let's have an evening group. Great. But Monday nights is Monday night football, so guys aren't coming to that. Or what if we had food, then we could get food, then some of the guys would come, and then we could, yeah, that's great. And then what about this for the ladies, and what about this for the kids? And we start trying to, like, it's almost like we're trying to incentivize these groups, right? It's almost like we're saying, men, come to our groups on Monday night, and you're going to learn about how to read the life-changing Word of God, and you'll get a free set of steak knives, right? Like, if we can make the deal sweet enough, then guys are like, well, I guess I'll go. They got steak knives, right? <laughs> right? I mean, there was times where I was feeling that, like, boy, it's tough because you don't want to just feel like, boy, we got to incentivize this enough, and it's a balance there. We want to make opportunities that work for your schedule. We understand that there's lots going on, but this is an opportunity for you to put roots down in faith that will establish your life, that will change your life. And it is up to you to get involved. We can't incentivize it enough. Like, you get a free coffee card in addition to having your family changed, you know? That's great, a free coffee card. I, I was thinking about that with Saturday night service, okay? Saturday night service is going to be great. Saturday night service is super convenient for a lot of families. If I was just John Q. church attender, Saturday night would be awesome. I'm like, yeah, you got the whole Saturday. The kids are already dressed. Let's go to church for an hour. And we got the whole evening. It's awesome. It's super convenient. We, it, it is not super convenient for the leaders and the staff and the kids' volunteers, right? It is not super convenient for Brent and Anna Stevens who are like, I got to find volunteers. And, and, and for our staff members with small kids, it's not super convenient for them. Christy and I, our kids are old. We're over the hill. That's fine. We got nothing to do on Saturday nights anyways, right? No, there is something about it is it can be a drain on the volunteers and the leaders of the church. It's a whole other animal, right? 
I'm not saying that to say woe is us. I'm saying we're happy to do it. We're happy to provide as many opportunities for people to come to know Jesus, for people to grow in their faith. As the church grows, we're going to keep adding locations or services or whatever we need. We're going to make room for people. I want our Saturday night service to be about making disciples and seeing people's lives changed and not just about, well, Saturday is just a convenient time, and if we make it convenient enough, then we'll entice more people to maybe give us an hour of their time on the weekend. There's a difference there. That's depressing to me. If it's life change, if it's your family's growing in faith, if it's finding a way to serve and connect and to put roots down, if it's us making a difference in our community and we're seeing the broken and the hurting come here to find Jesus, we'll come every night of the week, right? We'll come every night of the week, but I don't want to do it if it's just to you know, scratch the spiritual itch of people and make it super convenient. I don't want to scratch any itches here at the church, right? I don't want to do that. This is why we are, we're going to provide as many opportunities as we can, but it is about growing our faith. It's about prioritizing prayer. We're going to find times throughout the year. We have not done a good job as corporately prioritizing prayer. It's something I just, I'm not super strong in is, is there's some pastors who are like, we're all about corporate prayer, and there's like prayer meetings everywhere, and you build this whole thing, and it's like, wow, that's awesome. That's not a strength of mine. We want it. We have to do it. Times that we have prioritized prayer in our church, we've seen God move. We've seen God break things and, sh- and shake the foundations of the enemy and break chains of addiction, and, and we've seen spiritual shifts happen in our church. We've got to do it. Now, we're probably going to do, like, I think we called it Second Sunday. This is not an official announcement, but we're, what we're wanting to do is, like, the second Sunday night of, of the month at 6. Second Sunday at 6. Easy to remember. We're just going to have a prayer time here. It's not a programmed thing. We're not staffing it with worship teams. We're going to have some music playing, and the room is going to be open for us to come together to pray. That's it. There's not going to be a program for your kids or a free set of steak knives if you come three days in a row, right? It is a time for us to pray. And we need to prioritize that. There is opportunities for you to get involved in a group where you will learn how to read the Bible and pray. I encourage you to do that. It is about discipleship and growing in our faith. Using that analogy of a tree, deeply rooted, built up, established, and abounding. That's what our church gets to be for our community. Now, I'm not about becoming a big deal church. Like, we got to get as many people in the seats as we can, and look at us, we're awesome. We got the Saturday night service. That's not it at all. We get to be a church that is like a deeply rooted tree in our community. What do trees do? They provide shelter. They provide shelter, a deeply rooted foundation where people who are suffering under the heat of the world, their lives are falling apart, they can come into the shelter of this church and find help and support. What else do trees do? They provide fruit. We can be nourishment to this hurting community if we have our roots deeply established. If all of us are taking that step to grow, we get to be that for our community. Nourishment, shelter, safety, stability. This is what we get to be a part of. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. What's your step? What's your next step? What's your next step? For some of you, it's deciding to give your life to Jesus. Like for real, he's the Lord of your life, making faith be the foundation for everything. For some of you, it's that next step of discipleship. I got to learn how to read this Bible and learn how to pray because that is going to be foundational. 
If there's a way that we're not doing it that we can help you do that, we want to do it. But start coming to some of these groups. We got groups at different time. Make it a priority rather than just the leftover if there's time left in your schedule. Maybe you are someone who has some roots established. You have a discipline of prayer. You have a growing faith. And the next step for you is to switch from how can I keep receiving to now who can you lead? Who can you disciple? Who can you share your faith with? What group or ministry or area of this church can you take over and lead? Maybe you can start a small group and invite some of your friends and say, we're going to learn how to read the Bible. That shift is the biggest growth step that you will ever have in your faith is when you switch from receiving to a disciple maker where you, that shift there will cause you to grow in your faith, I believe, more than anything else. So for all of us today, all of us, including the staff, including you as a first-time attender, including you watching online, there is a step that you can take. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads and close in prayers as we do this. And let's just take a minute and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. What is that step? It's just a step. You don't need to, you know, start a small group today. You don't need to do, you know, take these giant leaps. You don't need to get to the end result where you're already a rooted, built up, established, and abounding person of faith. What is your step? How can you prioritize the word of God in your life every day? How can you prioritize prayer in your family how can you prioritize the things of God in your workplace, in your finances, in your schools, in your careers, in your marriages, and also in how you serve at church? And as we're adding more opportunities as a church, how can you step up and lead and help and serve and disciple? Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak to each of us, that we would all just take a step. We'd all just take a step to plant our roots down, to be built up in you, to be established, because we want to be an abounding church, not just the institution of Homestead Church. We want all of us to be an abounding church for you, that you would use us to change this world, to push back the darkness, to speak truth into our culture in a loving way that draws people to Jesus. This is what we want to be a part of. Thank you for the work that you are doing. And I pray that you would just seal this in our heart today. What we're feeling right now, that we wouldn't just leave and once we're starting football and other things, that we forget about it. God, seal this in our hearts. Help us to take a step or talk to somebody or talk to a spouse or a pastor or somebody to say, this is what I want to do. Help us to find some accountability in a small group. Whatever it takes, God, we want to prioritize this and to grow in our faith. So I pray that you would work that in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. If you come back next week, you get a free coffee card for two Sundays in a row. Get a punch card for something like that. Um, we would love to pray with you. We have some prayer team members up front. Think about who you can invite to church, especially for October, that series talking about some of the skeptical things that we do. Think about how you can plug in at the church and get to know some people. God bless you. Have a great day.